All right, welcome to podcast number eight of the Modular Nutrition and Wellness Podcast. Today we're going to talk about protein. So I don't know how many questions I get about protein, but those questions are mainly superficial, protein powder, protein supplements. But today I really want to get a little bit deeper into what protein is, not only from the supplement point of view, but maybe, you know, you'll be able to understand it from your diet, your macro point of view as well. So in the bare minimum, a protein is essentially a series of amino acids that are bonded together in various formations, okay? Um, they are formed chemically via condensation, which means they give off water as they combine to each other. So we see some importance there of water. So every protein known to man is composed of one to multiple of the 20 amino acids. Now, technically, some people consider selenocysteine as amino acid number 21, but we're going to talk about our completely uh, organic amino acids and not the, the organometallic ones. But essentially, again, there's 20 amino acids. Um, and uh, unlike fats and carbs, the body does not store amino uh, excess amino acids for later. So we know fat gets stored. Obviously, if you look down, you probably see that fat storage. And then carbs, um, they get stored as glycogen in muscles. But again, amino acids aren't necessarily stored for later use like fat and carbs are in our body. And when you think about the amino acids, they're typically three categories that they fall into. You have your essential amino, amino acids, your conditionally essential amino acids, and your non-essential amino acids. So the essential amino acids, if you're a supplement head, you'll see them branded as EAAs, uh, are essentially amino acids that cannot be synthesized fast enough to supply the demand. And so uh, our nine essential amino acids include phenylalanine, valine, threonine, tryptophan, uh, methionine, leucine, isoleucine, lysine, and histidine. Now, three of these may, may seem familiar. Uh, your leucine, isoleucine, and valine, which are your branch chain amino acids. So what this means is, yes, you can't make it. You have to consume it through diet or through supplementation. And we know that and we can do a, a podcast later on this. We know um, the importance of not only the EAAs, but also the BCAs because EAAs are needed for muscle protein synthesis. Even further, the EAAs are the primary amino acids that are found in muscle fiber. And even more importantly, leucine in particular is considered the trigger for muscle protein synthesis. So they're all important. Not just because you can, it can't be made, but for anyone seeking to build muscle, you have to have these. Next, you have your conditionally essential amino acids, which means uh, they can be made, um, but in some individuals, you may not, enough may not be made. So if you look at maybe an infant or if you're under severe catabolic stress, so um, one example could be some sort of injury or if you're going um, 
very very long endurance training um these uh the, the body can make it but it's definitely not gonna be able to make enough um in this case and those six include arginine cysteine lysine uh glutamic acid or glutamine because glutamic acid is converted to glutamine proline and tyrosine all right and then lastly but not least we have uh uh, non-essential amino acids, which means the body can synthesize these quickly, rapidly, and enough uh, for whatever you're doing in not only in daily life, but again, anywhere else. And so in this case, we have alanine, aspartic acid, uh, asparagine, and serine. All right. And I have a list here. And glutamine acids listed again, but again, uh, glutamine is considered conditionally essential. But because glutamine acid can be made quickly, um, again, that gets converted to glutamine. Glutamine synthetase is the enzyme for that. So um, glutamine production is typically limited by that enzyme in the way it can produce. Now, essentially, um, on, on our hand, we don't have all the enzymes necessarily required to make all the amino acids, which is why the, uh, the, the essential ones are considered essential because we can't make it and that that limiting factor is really uh, the enzymes is required to do that and so we look at what the overall purpose of protein is um, of protein for the body uh, protein are used to build maintain and repair the muscles in the body and this includes all forms of muscle not just skeletal muscle um, obviously that you see arms legs things like that but also muscles um, from different organs, such as the heart. We know the heart is composed of muscle. And for those that are physically active, um, you really want to increase the protein intake because as you, you know, exercise, play sports, etc., um, you cause, you know, micro trauma, micro damage to the muscles, and you need to uh, increase the uh, protein intake, not only to support um, just daily living, but also to repair muscles um you know that are damaged during your exercise and i think one thing that we need to keep in mind one thing i don't think people talk about much that increased protein intake can be advantageous to anyone not just you know an athlete but no matter the age group or activity level uh, a good example that i like to use are, are older people and typically older people you know as they get older their movement gets uh, some people are limited by movement and you start to have, you know, muscular atrophy um, and you start to have weakness in your muscles. Um, but, you know, you see some of these protein shakes and sure, Juven, uh, that have protein in it that, that supposedly, you know, help um, older people, you know, keep their protein intake high to repair the muscles so the muscles, you know, are still able to function properly. Um, so, you know, pro uh, increased protein intake isn't just limited to the athletes. And again, there's no consequences to having, um, we, we, there's always a consequence if you go too high, but having an increased protein intake, is, there's no consequences to it. But too little protein definitely isn't good. Again, can we talk about um, different organs and muscles in the body that are composed of mainly protein? Um, they need this protein for uh, consistent repair. So let's move to one of the this i would say this is probably the 
the most asked question supplement wise not lifting wise types of protein all right we have numerous types of proteins um and so you have we all know about whey protein that's the most well-known one and typically for whey protein you see whey protein concentrate isolate hydro um, hydrolyze essentially the difference is um first um, how far it's been processed and concentrate typically has higher fat it's the closest to um, milk if you didn't know whey protein is derived from milk um, and then hydrolyzed is typically the lowest in fat uh, because again not only has it been filtered um, it's been broken down um, but it's absorption rates the fastest because instead of consuming large proteins it's been broken down to smaller proteins for increased absorption it's also the most expensive for that reason next we have plant i say plants probably the second most popular and you typically see vegan proteins as chickpea pea or soy um uh, i'm not a big fan of the soy but you know my, my only issue with plant proteins is uh man if you ever take one you'll typically see that they're gritty that's because their solubility is not the greatest so typically there's, there's some grit to it um but you know it's, it's a good alternative for those who have um, milk issues issues with milk another one that i've been introduced to recently within the last couple of months and i've been testing uh, from Gaspar Nutrition, um, their proven egg, and this egg white protein. Now, I would say egg white is great. Egg white is the best alternative to whey because it doesn't have the, the issues with lactose. Only downside is there's some people that are allergic to eggs, so that can be an issue. But in regards to amino acid profile, bioavailability, uh, egg white is on par and in some cases better than whey protein. I've been testing it, I like it. Um, yeah, it, it is more expensive than whey, but again, it's a great alternative to those who have issues with milk. Next, you have beef protein. I haven't tested this one before, but I'm, I'm pretty sure my only remembrance of this, it was Kai Green. I forgot what brand he worked with. As a, it was a beef protein. There's a picture of him with a raw steak in his mouth on the label. I haven't tried it, but uh, beef protein is, is one as well. And then lastly, I think one that's been um, overlooked but it's been in the market for a long time is casein and casein is found in whole milk which is why back in the day you know bodybuilders walk around with the gallon of milk because in that gallon of milk you get whey you get casein and casein essentially is a slow digesting protein it is milk based but it typically takes about uh, six to eight hours to fully digest it so the idea with casein was you take it at night uh, your body feeds off this protein overnight you don't have any catabolism at night you know things like that and um uh, there's been some research that come out recently that kind of debunked the importance of casein um you know some argue that as long as you hit your protein goals throughout the day you're fine you don't need casein at night um, but again I, I will leave that on the consumer to decide they want to take that or not uh, i think the best protein obviously uh, well, we'll talk about that later actually so we'll get into that so three distinct benefits of protein not i think two of these people don't even talk one no one even talks about it all really another one i think is kind of well known and then the third one is pretty obvious so first one is what we call a thermogenic food and so what this means is that it it costs your body more calories to burn 
than what the protein actually is. So if you take in, uh, so we say one gram of protein is four calories. For example, if you take in four calories of protein, it may take your body six calories to burn it off. So you have a net negative two calories, which, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, lean up, whatever, you wanna, you wanna be in that net negative or that caloric deficit. And so when you eat a high protein diet, um, essentially you're putting your body automatically at that deficit because it's considered a thermogenic food. And that's because of its complexity, um, you know, the amount of energy it takes for the body to break it down fully. The next one, and I, I love this one. I'm glad, you know, I'm doing a podcast to kind of get this information out there. And that's the reduction of something called ghrelin. So ghrelin is a hormone that triggers hunger. And so that was a paper that came out, a scientific paper, where they compared uh, a high-fat, high-carb, high-protein meal. And they looked at the ghrelin levels post, you know, post-meal. And of course, fat had the highest ghrelin level, which means you that that subject got hungry quicker than carbs. But then protein was last. And protein, what they found out after a high-protein meal, that subjects, um, their ground levels actually remain suppressed up to and past four hours in some cases. So when you eat a high-protein diet, you'll actually be less hungry off the top, along with, you know, consumption of a relatively decent or high um, fiber um, content as well. So if you cut, you know, some people go on diets, they talk about being hungry. You go high-protein, you increase your fiber, that's out the window off the top. So one thing I don't think people talk about, but keep that in mind. And last one, we know protein is going to be needed for muscle protein synthesis. Obviously, if you break the muscle, micro damage, micro trauma, the muscle, you're going to need more protein, not only to repair it, to, but to repair it to be even stronger. All right. So when we talk about buying protein supplements, um, you know, I think one thing we need to look into is how to read protein labels. And typically protein supplements, I mean, we can look at regular food too. Um, you know, for a protein supplement, especially if it's whey, I think anything under 24, maybe 22, you know, we need to keep that, I, I wouldn't do it. And one thing, if you're buying a protein supplement, you need to look at how big is a serving size. So if a serving size is 30 grams and your supplement has 20 grams of protein, what is the other 10 grams full of? It's probably gonna be full of a filler, probably gonna be carbs, sugars, blah, blah, blah. Um, your higher end protein, protein, like your hydrolyzed, obviously that ratio is gonna be much closer, um, much um, smaller in regards to um, what your protein to serving size is. So if you had 30 grams of scoop, hydrolyzed maybe at 26 grams of protein. And then what I like to do, um, obviously I make supplements, I buy pure protein, pure whey, where a scoop is 29 grams and 28 grams of its protein. And that last gram is going to be some type of um, uh, emulsifier. So the lecithin, right? So um, that obviously helps in mixing water. So even with food, um, you know, when, when you, you want to look for foods that are higher in protein, your lean meats, sometimes your nuts, um, uh, beans as well. Uh, again, because when you set that goal, let's say hit 200 grams a day, when you meal prep, you want to make sure you're choosing high protein foods uh, to help you again hit that that protein goal for your day. Now, the grain of salt you have to take it with 
was it's coming from this this concept of amino spiking and i think it's gotten better now but essentially a few years ago there was a few supplement companies that actually got in trouble for this and what they were what was happening was they were claiming a supplement had 20 grams of protein but it really has you know 10 5 and the way they got around this is when uh, when their protein supplements are tested what the what the the instrumentation you what is looking for is nitrogen content because of amino amine amide those when you see those those letters or that combination of letters that means that that compound contains some sort of nitrogen um and so you can put in let's say glutamine glutamine is very cheap you can add excess glutamine to your protein supplement to so when you get it tested it makes it seem like you have you know a lot of protein when you really don't um, so when you choose a supplement, make sure you choose a, a proven company. You know, I think my favorite and the one that I was bought up on from my mentor was Optimum Nutrition. Now you got all these other brands have protein and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but he told me, you know, Optimum Nutrition really never, it never fails, mainly because they're tested rigor rigorously. They're, you know, they're in a lot of supplement stores and you can trust them. So if you're not home, you're overseas or you, you know, you're somewhere else, blah, blah, blah. You know, you see some other brands, you may not trust it. You know, Optimum Nutrition was one that I was told to trust. So I've been rocking with them for a long time. So one of my caveats is when you buy a protein supplement and it advertises that it has, you know, 5.6 grams of BCAAs. Now, remember in the beginning, the you know, I told you about proteins, what they're, they're composed of. They're composed of amino acids. And in particular, um, these protein supplements are typically high in your EAAs and BCAAs, maybe because of what they're targeted for. And because, again, they're essential, so you want to supplement. So if a company's going to, now, if they add extra BCAAs to it, different story. But if it's just a regular protein supplement and they're advertising that their stuff has all these BCAAs, come on. It's made of BCAs. I know it's in there, all right? Um, now, I will say this. One thing I didn't talk about from the earlier, you talking about your types of protein. The biggest difference between, let's say, your whey, your plant, egg white, beef casein, is their amino acid profile. So they have different profiles or so different amounts of the EAAs, BCAs, this and that in them. So whey and egg white are actually considered the most complete ones because they have the optimum profile meaning you, you typically higher in the, the, the BCAs and then you have you know pretty decent you know good amounts of EAs following that. Now plant protein technically you know they say they don't most people don't like the or consider it um, on par with whey in regards to its amino acid profile. And you remember leucine triggers muscle protein synthesis. Uh, iso, leucine, and valine, those are the most other two are also the most prominent ones in muscle. So, if you have a plant protein that's lower in that, some people say, Hey, that may be an issue. But you know, if you you can actually supplement, you can add BCAs or add EAs to your plant protein, or you can just eat because you just eat different types of plants that have protein. So, you if let's say you're vegan, you're on plant protein, like, hey, I'm not going to do whey, I'm not going to do you know, chicken, beef, whatever. You know, you could just do beans. Beans have a different amino acid profile than chickpea, etc. Right. So, one thing to keep in mind: the thing with the amino acid profile. Um, that's why whey is considered the superior one. Um, 
then egg white and then etc so so let's talk about how much to take and when to take so this there's been some controversy here so when i was coming up i was kind of always told that the body can only take take on 30 grams of protein at a time um science has shown otherwise so i wouldn't worry about it you can take on you can eat a hundred gram protein meal you know you see bodybuilders do it all the time you know is their body only going to take in 30 grams of that no it's going to take it all in i think essentially um just you know if you set a daily protein goal just hit it um i don't think timing is as important i think one of the biggest things is um you definitely want protein um after a training session so you know, after workout training um etc but other than that you're just fine uh for me i i train fasted or i take a pre-workout that has um gatorade in it uh and then i take a protein shake after that then i eat breakfast and then i take protein shakes uh subsequently you know throughout the day so again that's just me but i think the biggest thing here is focus on hitting the goal you're going to be good the last thing i want to talk about here and i think it's a question i get asked a lot what is the best protein and i think uh, uh, my answer to this question is there is no best individually the best i would say protein supplement shake you can make is one that's blended between concentrate isolate hydrolysate casein and that's because each one of those have a different uh, absorption rate hydrolyzes very fast because it's broken down then it's isolate and then it's concentrate because concentrate is closest to whole milk then you got casein because casein what essentially with casein when it hits your stomach well i don't think i explained it so here, check this out so when you if you ever taken a casein protein you'll realize that when you mix it with water it's very chalky it's very dense that's because casein solid solubility isn't the greatest in water so when it hits your stomach it balls up and it takes time for your stomach acid to actually eat through it that's why it takes so long for your body to break it down that's why it has that sustained release for eight hours it's going to take your body that long to actually break it down now if you have a protein supplement that's blended with these four essentially if you take it post-workout right uh let's go i'm a morning person i take it morning time the hydrolysate, the isolate, when I take that supplement mixed with all four, those two are going to give me instantaneous um, protein absorption, right? The Then the concentrate will kick in, maybe let's say maybe an hour later, and then casein is going to be trickling throughout the next six hours. So now that one protein supplement that is going to give me um, sustained protein release for the next, you know, six hours. And... For those that are big on the, I'm trying to stay anabolic. Essentially, that's why people take the protein all, you know, multiple times a day, is to keep your body in that building state by taking all of this protein. And that's why I believe the mix of a protein powder that has all four is going to give somewhat, not saying it will, somewhat give you the effect of eating, you know, your protein multiple times a day to keep your body in that anabolic state. So. Those are just my opinions on, on the protein supplements, but I also gave you some science on uh, protein in general. And so I hope that helps you understand what protein is and what its purpose is. And then next, I can get into carbohydrates and then we'll talk about fats as well. 
so yeah just stay tuned we'll get those up and uh appreciate your time thank you for listening and you hope you take it easy today peace